0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Shiny Bees podcast. Stop bunny time. Today is Thursday, the 23rd of August, and coming up in today's show, we'll have recent travel exploits, on and off the needles, a sewing update, and a review of the ICQ Africa conference. So, hello, everybody, how have you been? I hope you're all not suffering too much from post Olympic come down. And... If that wasn't bad enough, I hear that X Factor has started again in the UK. If there is one thing guaranteed to ruin my Christmas, it is X Factor. And I'm just hoping for a return to some other random retro band like the Rage Against the Machine one in 2008? No, 2009? Yeah, so that they're number one and not X Factor because I think I just find X Factor morally and fundamentally wrong laughing at people because they're obviously a bit screw loose and but they think they're really good at singing it's just a bit that's not entertainment it's just a bit wrong so i really don't like x-factor in case you've wondered or if you're in any doubt at all so there will be no further x-factor chat on this podcast you'll be glad to hear or at least some of you will be glad to hear anyway So I'd like to say a warm welcome to any new listeners that may have found me via other podcasts. Hello, nice to have you with us. And any returning listeners that have come back for yet more punishment and more laughing at my comedy life up north in Limpopo. I've had some lovely messages and email from different people and I have a few people to mention, quite a few this time. This will be the only time that we get a big list of people to mention. Uh, but since you're my first twenty-five people in my group, you're gonna get mentioned. So, in no particular order, one to one: A Candy, Angel Pie, Bobby, Carlay, Enchanted Girl, Felt Like Knitting, Gingerbread Bunny, Aya, In Northern for You, Jamal Knitter, J C Randall or J Crandall, not sure which, Jenny Von Socks, Catalysis, Knit and Breathe, Knits for Clips Cap, Knit Spinster, Knitter Scarlet, more on her later, Love Flocon, Louise Hunt hello in scottish for you mvi nad blog pink hair girl pintaz is fat sammy lou please can i have that border collie it's beautiful i can't even read my own mind s <laughs> stitching out loud, and also to Pantoffel, who sent me a lovely email because uh, she's a south african but she lives in the uk now and also hello to any new twitter followers that i have i don't really get twitter i'm not gonna lie to you I mean, I get the whole point of following people that you kind of know or are interested in what they're doing, but it's these random people who follow you because you've talked about something. For instance, I now have a random safari company in Kenya following me because I was talking to Green Triangle Girl from A Playful Day about Kenya. They're going to be so (laughs) bored of knitting chatter. They're going to unfollow me soon. It's, it's, It's got to happen, really. It's going to be a massive disappointment to them. But there you go. Now, Knitter Scarlett, who I've just mentioned, is a friend of mine from when I used to live in Anglesey. I get around a bit. I mean, not in that way, but I've lived in a few places. And she's got an Etsy shop where she sells all sorts of things. And she's just added a lot of new fibre that she's dyed up. Various different types of fibre. Go and have a look at it and check it out because she's offered listeners to the podcast a 10% discount at her shop if you use the code ShinyBees. So thank you, Kath, for that. It's very kind of you. And I will put a link to her shop in the show notes for those of you who want to go and take a looky. Now, as you've heard from the intro, there isn't going to be a separate South Africa section in this podcast. The reason being that I've just been off on a big road trip around KwaZulu-Natal and into the Kruger, so, I will talk a bit about some of the things I came across during the road trip and service instead of having a separate South Africa section, which we'll return in the next podcast. So, first of all, on the road trip, we drove south uh, towards Pretoria from Limpopo and then we went to Durban, which is on the east coast of Africa. It's the busiest seaport in Africa, apparently, and it's sort of the playground of of the Joe Burgers and that's where everyone goes in summer because it's cooler than being in Jo'burg and Pretoria then we came back and stayed in Ladysmith which is on the edge of the KwaZulu-Natal battlefields then we went north through Swaziland which I'll talk a bit more about in a bit and into the Kruger National Park which I think I I'll talk about in the next episode because I've got some ideas about things I would like to do with that and then we went back home so all in all the road trip was Two and a half thousand kilometres in just over a week, which is far. It didn't really give us a lot of time to spend in each place, but we wanted to kind of go and have a look and see what places we would like to spend more time in and go back in. Because the battlefields, for instance, if you're already down in Pretoria for something, it's not that far to go, extra to get there for a couple of days, then come back. Um, Whereas it's quite far to go from Limpop, it's sort of like seven or eight hours. It's only about three hours from... Pretoria so that's not too bad. The funny and interesting thing on the journey to Durban was that it's on a motorway like a dual carriageway motorway the N3 and it goes through some quite high ground because to the west of where the motorway runs is the Drakensberg which is a a big mountain range I think it means like Dragon Mountain or Dragon Hill Drakensberg the translation of it and it's like a World Heritage site as well. Very, very pretty. But they'd had quite a dumping of snow the day before we wanted to travel. And they'd actually closed the motorway because they're just not set up for snow in South Africa. They're not used to it. So we went down there. And we found it quite amusing because we we're driving along. And then I said to my husband, oh, slow down. I think there's been a crash. Because when there's a car crash in South Africa... Unlike the UK, where we don't get out of our cars, the two or three people who are just after the crash, they get out to help if they think they know what they're doing until the police arrive, which is usually pretty sharpish afterwards. And we all just drive along, having a bit of a look slowly as you drive past. Whereas in South Africa, everyone stops and pulls over in the car and gets out to have a look, and it takes forever for the police and the ambulance to turn up and what have you. So I thought there'd been a crash because there were all these cars parked by well not the side of the road they were in the hard shoulder and again they don't really use the hard shoulder here like we use it in the UK as in it's sacrosanct you only go into the hard shoulder when you've broken down that's not what happens there's a yellow line that splits off the hard shoulder and the main carriageway and if you're driving along people just pull over into the hard shoulder to let you overtake them even though there's like hardly anyone on the road, especially in Limpopo. And there's plenty of space to actually get past because it's very straight and you can see the traffic that is coming. Everyone does that anyway. So um, if you've actually broken down, you don't pull into the hard shoulder, you kind of pull off into the grass verge, which isn't really a verge, I suppose. It's just flat. But anyway, I thought there'd been a crash. No, there hadn't been a crash. It appears that a lot of the... It was a long weekend as well because it was International Women's Day Oh, was it National Women's Day? Anyway, it was Women's Day in South Africa. They have lots of random public holidays here, and this one was for Women's Day, where the men are meant to do the work, and the women are meant to just be appreciated for being women and being generally awesome. So it was a long weekend, which we didn't know, because we don't have a South African calendar, which is a massive error, because every time we plan to go somewhere, it ends up being a long weekend. We get stuck in traffic, or we can't book into a hotel, or what have you. So we're driving along, thought there was a car crash, because there were all these cars in the hard shoulder but there wasn't they've just never seen snow quite apparently (laughs) and people were just pulling over in the hard shoulder on the motorway to get out to take pictures or build a snowman or have a snowball fight so that was interesting I was just like have they never seen snow before and my husband said well probably not I mean we haven't seen rain in Limpopo for 8 months I don't think it ever snows in Limpopo these guys might be from Limpopo so it was very, very exciting for them. And in fact, one of the local radio stations in Pretoria had done a snow wedding feature. And apparently this couple... Because this, this is how rare snow is in general in South Africa. This couple about 10 years ago or something had decided they want to get wanted to get married and they were going to go on holiday to get married. And then it randomly snowed and they couldn't go. So they said, oh, right, we're not going to bother now until it snows again. And so it snowed randomly and... I think it was her sister or something, the lady sister rang up for this radio station and said, look, my family, they were going to get married, but they said they're never going to get married until it snows again, and it's just snowed, so can we please organise them a wedding? Which they did in three hours. She rang up at four o'clock, they got married at seven (laughs) o'clock. And it turned out like there was a, a bus full of bagpipers driving past on the motorway, who just decided to pull in and play bagpipes for them and she'd always wanted bagpipes at a wedding and all this crazy stuff happened because they randomly decided to organise a wedding in three hours because it had snowed. So that was quite cool. Blessed South Africans are just so nice. They just do things like that for each other. I will see if I can find a link to that on the internet. There might not be. There may be. They're not 100% great with the internet in South Africa because a lot of people still can't get on the internet. They don't tend to do e-commerce and update things the way that we do in the UK but I will have a look. Anyway, we continued down route and eventually got to Durban, which was quite nice. It was a bit weird in that it reminded both of us of Brighton. And I don't I don't really know why I, there's a lot of Victorian looking buildings there as well, but it just had this massive Brighton type feel to it. It was very nice. It's it's worth going up and a look if you're down that way. But the main thing that we discovered when we were there, and the reason my husband really wanted to go to Durban and was extremely excited about it is because we both love curry. And you cannot get a curry in Limpopo to save your life. Not a decent one anyway. And Durban has a really large Indian population and is known for its curries. So he really wanted to go there. He hasn't had a curry for eight months. He really wants a curry. So we went to Durban just for curry which is a long way to go for a curry and discovered a local delicacy from Durban which I think most northerners would love because we do like our stodge in the north you know, pies and bread and all that kind of stuff, Lancashire hot pot, mash you name it, if it's stodgy we will eat it and we got introduced to the bunny chow. now if... You're a tourist, you call it a bunny chow, but if you're a local or you know anything about Durban, you just call it a bunny. And when you're ordering it, you don't even mention the word bunny. But the basic concept of a bunny chow, and I will link to the wiki entry for it, because I only knew that they did these bunny chows. I didn't know where they came from. And there's, there seems to be quite a few different opinions of where, where they originated. But it basically involves getting a loaf of bread and you hollow out the fluffy white bit of the bread leaving the crust and the bottom intact and then you fill it up with curry and put the little island of bread that you've just taken out back on top and it's it's street food basically so it gets wrapped up in yesterday's newspaper and put in a plastic bag and off you go it's actually really good in a random curry butty sort of way and we bought some of it to take on the drive back up to Ladysmith as padkos, which is it means road food in Afrikaans. So because the you get a bit tired of service station food, even in the UK, and there's, there's less choice in South Africa, so we thought, we'll get a bunny chow and we'll take it with. And I was a bit concerned about the structural integrity of the loaf because, you know, curry is quite runny, and I thought if it soaks in and it gets soggy, we're going to have curry all over the car. And much as I love curry, I think smelling stale curry at like 8 o'clock in the morning, it's going to be in your car. It's going to be rough, isn't it? So we pulled over and took them out after an hour and a half of driving. And they were fine, actually. They were completely intact. And they were really good. I had a half mutton and my husband had a half chicken. No, I hadn't asked for half. That's half a loaf of bread, by the way. Full of curry. I'd asked for a quarter because i can't even eat half a loaf of bread anywhere let alone if you stuff it with curry as well and apparently he sat there in the shop thinking that looks like a lot of food but i better get what she wants because that's what she's asked for but i didn't ask for that i was just telling him the tale of you know you get a quarter or you get a half or you can even get a whole loaf full of curry but yeah he bought it anyway common sense did not prevail and he managed to eat all of his curry and the virgin, which is the bit of bread that goes on top that you've cut out, is called the virgin. But he didn't manage to eat the container and I didn't even manage to eat all my curry because there was just so much of it. And the curry also has potatoes in it, which is really, it's really tasty, but again, adds to the stodge factor, which meant there was, you know, it could have fed both of us really and the baby if it wasn't so hot. It wasn't hot for us but it was definitely too too spicy for her because she's only little yet. I also found a recipe for it. I mean, it's not going to be the same because it's not from Durban and they have special Durban recipes for the curry that they just use there. But I will link to that also in the show notes. If you try it, let me know what you think. Or if you don't even fancy cooking your own curry, just go and get yourself you know, a lentil dal or something from the Indian in the UK and whack it in a loaf of bread job done up next on and off the needles so first on the needles is the Owl's Jumper by Kate Davies which I've been doing for a couple of episodes not a lot of progress has been made on this in the last couple of weeks because I was away on the road trip and it isn't really a road trip friendly project because it's quite large so I've done a couple of rounds but that stayed at home I'm knitting it in the the yarn the pattern calls for which is Rowan Pure Life British Sheep Breed Chunky undyed it's 100% British wool and from memory it was about £6 a ball I'm doing it in the blue Face Leicester which is nice, I'm enjoying knitting in that and it grows quite quickly which is good I am hoping to get that finished quite soon because it's already getting quite hot again here And when I when I say it's been cold here, what I mean is it's like cold in the morning when you first get up, five degrees or what have you at seven o'clock. But by lunchtime it's back to twenty-five again, so that is like relatively cold. In fact, I was freezing when it was fifteen degrees, which is quite a balmy spring or autumn day in the UK. Well, summer day actually. But I think the problem is the variance in temperatures during a day. I'm just not used to that big diurnal change. And that's what screws up my sort of inner body temperature. But it will—I mean, I'm obviously not going to get much wear out of it here, but I will get wear out of it in the UK. It'll be nice and cozy, I think. So I'm looking forward to finishing that. I'm also still working on the Damask Shawl by Kitman Figueroa, which was part of the I Make Knit Along, which was not the last one—the one, <laughs> one before—and. I've just I've just kind of got to a bit of a stalemate with it and then I had to wait for a new ball to be dyed because I didn't have enough. Well, I did have enough, I just cast on the wrong size and then I didn't have enough. And the, I've just got to the end of the first set of Nup rows. Nups are a pain, they really are. And there are some really good tips and things on the thread in Ravelry for this knit-along. And um, Sparkle she's a faster. Chloe, she was co-hosting the knit-along and she did a really good blog post as well. So in case you're doing damask, I will link to those to the, the IMIC thread in the show notes so you can have a look at it if you like. The pattern is it is really good and that was my first ever shawl pattern because I always thought shawls were kind of for grannies. Despite the fact there were a lot of fabric scarves, triangular scarves, I was I just thought they were kind of for grannies and well, sort of like gypsies really. You know, kind of traditional view of, of little old ladies with a little scarf, a little shawl on, but I've kind of after getting peer pressure into it, come round to them now and actually like them worn as I wear a fabric one. So considering it was my first shawl and it's quite lacy, it was well, it's not hard. You just need to kind of take your time with it and stitch mark everything properly and try not to rush because it's, really, it's so well written. As long as you take your time, you, it doesn't matter how good a knitter you are, I think you'll still be able to do it. So that will hopefully make much more progress. No, I'm not Nupping and fiddling around and bodging things with crochet hooks and getting generally aggravated with it also i'm working on socks for me that were previously the kebner kaiser socks by frida acid airberg i know that's not how you say it in swedish i have a swedish friend and she's told me how you say it but it's not it doesn't sound anything like that but that's how it's written out I will get her to record it so I can just play her voice of of how you meant to pronounce it. I'm sorry, Frida, that I'm mispronouncing your name. And they're changing to just a pair of vanilla socks. They're going quite well. I've finished one sock and the other one is on the needles. I did a lot of work on that on the road trip because it was just vanilla knitting so I didn't have to look at what I was doing. I could just go round and round and round and the roads are really straight which means you don't feel sick when you're knitting. Like you would do if you're reading or looking down all the time. Or at least that happens to me. I think it happens to quite a few people actually. And I did quite a lot of work on that on the road to Pretoria. And on the way to Durban. But halfway to Durban we got stopped by the South African police. Because of the snow I mentioned. Apparently the road was blocked. Now at this point we're sat in this massive traffic jam. And it's 28 degrees. There is no snow where we are. It's balmy sunny day bright sunshine the aircon was on because we were hot got stuck in this created traffic jam by the illustrious police officers of the south african police service who insisted to us when we finally got there like an hour later down the motorway just to the part where they pulled people off and asked the guy what the problem was and he was telling us there was like a 45k tailback and snow and people were stuck and you can't go down there with a baby and yada 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 which was all fine apart from we could clearly see that there were some cars and lorries still going down the road which is just not what you do if there's a traffic jam for 45k or what have you but There's no talking to them. If they've got this idea in their head that this is happening, then that's happening and that's all there is to it. So there's no point getting shirty with them. It's just like, if blinking and smiling doesn't work, then you've just got to crack on, really. I I find the police here completely ineffective (laughs) at best and a total nuisance at worst. They're just horrendous. There are so many of them trapping people for speeding which is a crime people i know it's a crime but murdering and raping people pillaging villages robbing people is a much bigger crime than speeding in my opinion but yet they never seem to spend much time or get many results in doing that so we decided that we were going to turn around because we were quite worried the length of this queue that we've been in that we were going to get stuck with nowhere to stay because it was a long weekend and our an accommodation was booked up. We we're on a road with hundreds, thousands of other cars, apparently. So I got out the book and devised another route which involved going the opposite direction, down a load of little farm roads, completely off-route into the Bondi. Could have been anything down there. Could have been prisons or a massive, you know, encampment of robbers and bandits or anything, but... We just weren't prepared to sit there and and wait so I had to nav down this little route and the scale of the map was quite high which meant that not all the roads were on there and there were a lot of little kind of farm roads and little dirt roads and what have you so you have to sort of measure the distance on the odometer in between and luckily they do give you a distance in between the junctions in care on the map but we would no idea how many robbers and bandits or what have you were going to be down there wild dogs, everything but we thought, ah, oh, well, you know, we're British we'll do it anyway, because it's a laugh and at least we'll be moving so we did that rather than sit in the queue with all the other sat-nav people just blindly looking at the screen going, oh, we're on the same road as everyone else because we've got sat-nav and I love it because I get to be bossy and say, oh, no, we're going to go in this road and, ah, let's go that way But it's a little bit more sporty navigating in South Africa because not only are the maps not that good or they don't have all the detail on that you'd expect in the UK, but the road signs are also (laughs) completely random. Sometimes you'll get one or two and then they just disappear. They just stop all of a sudden. Or they've got this thing recently of changing the names of streets and towns to something less offensive or more African sounding. But they don't always leave the old name up. So you don't... (laughs) And they don't tell you they're going to do it. They just whack a new sign up. Someone's made a fortune on that contract, let me tell you. But, yeah, so it can be a little bit more sporty than you would imagine. So we managed to go off down there. And about an hour later, we pulled back towards the motorway and found that this copper was talking complete tripe. And actually, there were loads of cars already on the motorway, much, much further back up the motorway than what he said. So it was a sapo last time, this time the police service. Have a word, really. (laughs) Just get a grip, guys. That's all. It's not police academy. Just sort it out. So all that meant that I couldn't do much knitting thereafter on the way to Durban because I was navigating. And then when we went from Durban back to Ladysmith, that was fine but after that going through swaziland and in the kruger well the kruger you're looking for animals but through swaziland it was really windy roads because it's a very mountainous country and really really pretty so i wanted to look what was going on and obviously not vomit all over my socks so there wasn't much knitting after on that but they are very straightforward and hopefully they will be done quite soon and the last one off from the needles was the milly socks i've decided i don't like them these were also done in nurturing fibres the last two projects were in nurturing fibres damask is nurturing fibres the socks for me are nurturing fibres super twist sock these ones are super twist sock as well they're too baggy around right the leg i don't like them they're getting ripped back so there is no pro- progress on those they're just not right and even though i followed the recipe at the twisted sisters sock workbook i think it's just his comedy wide feet that mean that it The recipe doesn't work, so I'm going to take at least 10 stitches out of the leg on that and see how we get on with it And probably go up a needle size as well And we'll see how that turns out In terms of off the needles Yeah, that, if I had the sound effect of tumbleweed It would have been in that gap, but I don't Um, There's nothing come off the needles at the moment because I've been working on all these big projects and ripping back things and free-navving around the more rural parts of Guzzieland (laughs) So, Not got anything off the needles in the last couple of weeks. Because when you're on holiday, sometimes you want to do a bit of knitting, but a lot of the time you're kind of out for dinner or sightseeing or what have you and you're a bit too busy for knitting. So there's nothing off the needles in that respect. Although I have planned some more next-on-the-needle ones, but more on that, I think, next time. I did promise you a sewing update... The grey trousers that I was working on—they're in a wool blend fabric. The bootcut trousers with an elasticated waist—they are complete. They're very nice. And I've also started, nearly finished, really, a pair of tracksuit trousers, which was the next thing on my course I had to do. They're done in a really lightweight sort of t-shirt stretch jersey almost. So, because I didn't want something too heavy like traditional sweatpant material because it's just far too hot here. These are going to be really comfortable and nice, I think. But they're only... I mean, I don't wear trackies out, so they're only going to be for in the house. And I've put some zips in the bottom of the legs, so you can kind of open the bottom of the legs a little bit. The cutting of the fabric and the pressing of it was a complete faff, because it was stretch, and it wasn't just one-way stretch, it was stretching all different ways, so you couldn't really press it like you would press something easy like polycotton, you press it and it's pressed and it's done you cut it and it do not move but the thing I'm finding with this sewing is the nicer and fancier the fabric the more difficult it is to cut it and sew it which I'm sure that's some kind of universal law but still so I had to almost I didn't press it I just steamed the fabric to get the creases out so I could cut it and I had to be really careful and pin the fabric to the board when I was drawing out the pattern. And also when I was cutting it, I had to be really careful not to stretch it when I was cutting it because it was so stretchy. And also when I'm, I was sewing it, I had to put loads and loads of pins in to keep the fabric from moving, and that would be my top tip for if you're working with anything super stretchy or that just feels if it feels like you're cocking it up and you don't know why, it will be the fabric. And it's just a case of you have to take your time and be careful with it. And the more sort of experience you get, the easier you will start to find it. Because when you start, you just start with polycotton or what have you, and it's dead easy and it's dead straightforward. And then all of a sudden it starts getting really difficult and you don't know why. It's not your fault. It's disobedient material. And you can say that's, that's Joe's first law of sewing, disobedient material. It's always disobedient material's fault. Like I said, my top tip is if you're going to sew something that's got a lot of stretch in it, Make sure when you put all the pieces together that you lay it somewhere real flat and you lightly put the pieces on top of each other when you pin it, and be very, very conscious that you're not accidentally pulling or leaning on the fabric because if it's stretch, it'll all be stretched and wrong and then you'll sew it and you won't know what you've done wrong. And typical, the, the nice fabrics are always a right faff to unpick as well so and like i said put loads and loads and loads of pins in you know if they've got to go in every inch and it takes you forever to sew one seam then do that because rather that than having to keep rip it back and unpick the seams because you've not put enough in and the fabric has shifted while you've been sewing because don't forget your sewing machine foot presses down on the fabric and the dogs pull on it when you're sewing so it's already getting stretched a bit that's joe's top tip anyway for the sewing and i'm not sure what i'm doing next on the sewing front but i will let you know after i've been to sewing class on Wednesday. So I said there was no formal South Africa section, but I will show on in another bit of chatter. It's not about South Africa, it's about Swaziland, this bit, and it was just a place we went to when we were travelling around and it's on the outskirts of the capital which the name eludes me at the moment. M-m-m- I can't even pronounce it. Anyway, it begins with an M. I'll put it in the show notes. And the place is called, again, pronunciation, not sure, but Nguenja Glass, which is a glass factory. It was there prior to the 80s, but it was kind of re-established in 1987 when some Swedish missionaries came over. And they make a lot of glass products there made from 100% recycled glass. And they encourage the locals to collect bottles to that they can use them to make products and they also work in local schools to raise awareness of recycling and environmental issues. It's part of a big complex of craft shops in this place so obviously I I demanded to go there. My husband wanted some Swazi fire sauce and I wanted a rocking horse. (laughs) So neither of us actually wanted any glass but I knew we could get both of these things at this place. Or so we thought. Unfortunately, they'd sold out of the Swazi fire sauce, which is like a chilli, kind of chutney-type thing. And the rocking horse man has closed down. He was just selling off the last few bits. He's not making rocking horses anymore. And I really wanted an old-fashioned rocking horse, but a handmade one. And the horses he makes are beautiful, but unfortunately they've not had enough orders to keep them going because of the downturn in Europe and the lack of tourists that they've been getting as a result he's just he's not able to keep the shop going anymore so I've got a miniature one instead I'll put a picture in the show notes and it's very nice but I want a big one I'm really hoping that someone comes and orders like 10 of them so he can get his staff back and and start up again because he's, it was you know really quality stuff that they were making there Naguena Glass has a sister factory in South Africa as well. It's just outside Joburg and it's up by Carnivore Restaurant. In the place and the name of the place where it is, the area, eludes me, but it's where everyone goes to get married. It's just outside of town, but it's in the hills towards the cradle of mankind. And the glass factory place here I've actually been to as well because there's a brewery there, a microbrewery called Gilroy's, and we wanted to go and try their beers. So I've been there as well. And also if you're in or around Cape Town, the glass people have a boutique in the V&A waterfront where you can go and buy their products as well. My husband bought a red wine decanter, which was is really unusual. It's really cool shape. I really hope he's dead clumsy. I really hope he doesn't break it because we can't go all the way back to Swaziland just for a decanter. Although we did gorgeous for Swazi fire sauce. But also in the complex where the glass factory is, they have something called Pure Swazi, which is an association of producers who are committed to promoting fur trade and getting these craft producers together so that they can access markets, sort of worldwide really, that they wouldn't have been able to access otherwise because they were too small. The names of the places, the, the companies that are part of this, are Baobab Batik, Gone Rural, Naguanya Glass, Quasi Design, Swazi Candles, and Tinsaba. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can go and have a look. I'm not sure if they do ship internationally, but as with all these things, just ask them and they probably will post things to you if you want. It's not like in the UK where you can just go and click things and shop like you would and there are pictures up and the shipping policies up and all that kind of thing. It's just not how things are done here. Your best thing is just to email them if there's anything that you're interested in and they will get back to you. There's There was loads of variety there, actually. There were jewellery that were made from you know when you get these on, you get them on Etsy I think quite a bit and they get old magazines and they make jewellery out of that almost like papier-mâché but it's not, it's rolled up there's a shop that did a lot of that that was really good, there was a weaving wool uh, shop as well that did a lot of mohair there was a lot of really nice baskets that have been weaved, really colourful but I couldn't choose one because I'm not sure what colour my new house will be when we finally move to it so it's, it's really worth looking at actually I really enjoyed it so if you go if you're passing Swaziland give it a give it a, a look <laughs> or like I say go to the website because it might be that some of these companies can post to you if you are interested the other thing that I was going to talk about last time but I didn't end up having time in the end and I don't really have time now but if I don't just start putting all these things in. They're never going to get in. It was a review of the International Quilting Convention, Africa, which I attended a couple of weeks ago, which was at the Emperor's Palace, which is a big casino type place in Johannesburg. It's right next to O.R. Airport, which is Johannesburg International, basically. And it was a quilting ex- expo. The reason why I wanted to go was twofold. First of all, I knew there were going to be some yarnies there that I wanted to go and see. No prizes for guessing who might have been there, seeing as I clearly have a massive crush on her. And also, I wanted to go and have a look for a new sewing machine. Because the one I've got is, is very basic. It does the job, it's fine. But I've got a big birthday coming up next year. And I would like a swanky machine. Not proper proper swanky but you know what this one's mechanical it's not an electronic i would like a mid-range sort of machine i can do proper dressmaking on that will have really nice neat stitches and all that sort of stuff so i wanted to go and try some sewing machines and a friend the swedish friend of mine that i mentioned wanted a overlocker so we both went down with hbm and because my husband was away to this expo now there were a lot of quilting things there as you would imagine it's a quilting expo so there were lots of nice quilting fabrics and things but quilting isn't something i'm particularly into i don't really get patchwork and i don't find it visually appealing despite the fact i like really bright colors i tend to like unfussy bright colors and i find the little paisleys and things all together just they're not really my thing. I prefer something a bit more plain. I'm very appreciative of the amount of time and effort that goes into them. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think some of the stuff that people make is beautiful, but it's just not something that I'm particularly into. But because it was a quilting expo, there were a lot of sewing machine manufacturers there. So there was Pfaff and Benina, Singer, Husqvarna Viking, Elna, and I'm sure I've missed someone out. But they were all there and also on the yarn front colle was there of Nurturing fibers who we all know i love hi colle <laughs> he's a south african producer in cape town and also there was uh, dana biddle there who runs color spun which is another south african producer i bought a couple of balls of Nurturing fibers and i also bought a couple of skeins of color spun yarn which was 100% merino in a really nice sort of petroly blue, with like a black slash dark green hairs to it. it. It's really pretty. It doesn't sound nice, but it's it's not. It is. It's really good. And I'm gonna make something I think for uh, my husband from that. And also there was Arthur Bales, which is a large yarn shop that holds a lot of imported yarns and imported fabrics. They have like Amy Butler and things like that that is in Johannesburg which I've never been to yet but I understand is quite good so I wanted to go and have a look at those and also there was a button manufacturer called Incomparable Buttons and they sell handmade ceramic buttons that are made in a fair trade sort of cooperative kind of way you can get these in the UK in quite a few knitting shops because they do export and they're really cute Nice little buttons, so I went and bought some from them as well. They also were running different workshops to do with quilting and creative sort of inspiration and and all that kind of organising your creative patchwork life type stuff. I didn't attend any of the workshops because they were too quilting oriented for me, but they looked like if you were into that kind of thing, they looked like they'd be really good. And reading the feedback on the website, people enjoyed them. I quite liked looking around the quilting exhibition that they had, which was like an art gallery with quilts. I think there was a competition to get involved and be displayed there. Actually, it wasn't just kind of patchwork stuff like I thought quilts are. There were a lot of what you would probably term as textile art instead. Clearly, quilting techniques were used to produce them, but they were more like pictures than quilts. They were really beautiful, some very talented makers there so I enjoyed looking around that and my friend found we tried a lot of different overlockers and she bought an overlocker she got a baby lock um <laughs> a baby lock eclipse which I think she paid six thousand six hundred rand for now bearing in mind that it's about twelve Rand to a pound she got a pretty good deal because the cheapest I've seen them for is like 900 quid in the UK and she certainly didn't pay that. It was more like 500. They also had a really good deal on the, the really top of the range baby lock with the eight um, eight cones on. Was it impression or... I don't know. I haven't even looked because I'm never going to have enough money to have one of those. I've just got a little Janome one. Um, but that was also... You know, several hundred pounds less than what it would normally be. It was a special add-on for the expo. There aren't many people here who use baby locks, so I don't think people really know about it as much here. So she got a really good deal on that. The thing that helped her choose was it has jet threading, and we went to lots of others, including the Swedish Husqvarna Viking, and she is Swedish, so there was a bit of kind of cultural alliance there. But they had such a faff trying to um, to thread it. And I said to her, don't get something that's hard to thread because that will stop you using it. Because if you've got an overlocker, I'm sure you'll agree, it can be extremely frustrating if it doesn't overlock correctly and threading it can be quite awkward if you don't practice it enough and make sure you thread it correctly. And it was the same in FAF as well. You had to put their um, hobby lock. You kind of had to put the tweezers into the machine to, to get it threaded and it looked really awkward. So it ended up being between a Bonina one, which was quite similar to one I own anyway. It looked exactly the same. But it was a different colour because mine's a Janome one. And the baby lock. And <laughs> clearly she went for the baby lock. She's really enjoying it. So I think she would recommend that team you. If, uh, if you're looking for an overlocker. And to that end, I would probably turn up next year if you do want a machine or an overlocker, particularly a baby lock. The, the Singer guys seem to have quite good deals on. I don't know whether they're still going to be doing them or not. But... They certainly had good deals there. Next year it is in September and the dates are 6 to the 8th of September 2013 so if you're in the area, I would give it a look. I also had the chance to meet up with some of the South African ravelers. We had a knitter's dinner and really enjoyed that. It was really nice to see people in real life because you know them kind of off the internet but you don't know them in real life. And what I also found really funny is that people... You have this idea of what they look like from how they write or from the avatar in your head. But then when you meet them, they're nothing like that. Like, no, you'll have this idea in your head of what I look like. But I won't look like that in real life. If I ever meet you, I won't look like that at all. It's really odd. So it was funny to meet them all. And they're really, really nice ladies. We had a great time. And I was quite worried that HBM, she'd been awake all day because clearly quilting is exciting. (laughs) and she'd been awake for the whole day hadn't been to sleep and I was worried she was about to kind of kick off and get really angry because she's she so nauseous she won't sleep if there's anything going on anything remotely interesting so I stuffed her full of pasta at dinner and she ate like a massive bowl of pasta It was bit, I mean I would have eaten that mad dinner and been fine she ate the whole lot it was quite embarrassing and then promptly fell asleep with her feet upon the the buggy and her hands behind her head looking all angelic so yeah she did well for her tannies there looking like a, a real good baby so bless her she she i think she enjoyed herself as well and obviously tied herself out so i think i better draw to a close because it's actually got to 45 minutes which is quite long and i hope that isn't too long for you and i hope you've been interested in the random tales of the goings on in the last couple of weeks and I didn't even get all of the tales in there's another dog tale to tell you as well so I'll get that in in the next one maybe but I would like to say thank you very much for listening, I do appreciate it and I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy talking about South Africa and living here because I find it really, (laughs) it's a really interesting place to live and it's so different that I just enjoy telling stories about it so if you would like to get in touch with me, please do. Don't be shy. I really like hearing from people. I won't think you're a nutter. Unless you start sending me, you know, severed heads or voodoo dolls. In which case, I probably will get an injunction out against you. <laughs> but <laughs> in in the event that you're not a complete weirdo, please get in touch. I am shinybees on Ravelry and Twitter. You can email me at shinybeesinfo, all one word, at gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment on the blog, which is shinybees.wordpress.com. Or you can come and join the Shiny Bees podcast group on Ravelry. I will put links to that in the show notes for you as well. It would be nice to have some new members and get a bit of crafty chatter going over there. So come along and say hello. So, finally, I hope you all have a lovely week. Happy crafting. Thank you very much for listening. And I won't be finishing with my theme music this week. I am going to play, because a couple of people have asked about South African music. This isn't South African, it's Kenyan. And I'm not going to play all of it, because I don't own the copyright to it. I'm just encouraging you to go and buy it, because I really like it. It reminds me of My Holiday in Kenya. It's by a chap called Marlow. Some of it is in Swahili, some of it is in English. But the general gist of it is that He's trying to get home to his baby, to his missus, through the traffic in Nairobi. And if you've ever been to Nairobi, you will know this is almost impossible. And he's basically telling everyone to move out his way because he wants to get home. And he's beeping his horn. So that's the beep beep bit. It's really catchy. I think it's really great, even though it's Swahili and I don't understand a lot of it. I do understand some of it, but not all of it. So I hope you will enjoy it. And it's a little taste of Africa for you. Now, I thought it was on iTunes, and it appears it is not on iTunes. So, I do apologise for that, but I've put a link in the show notes to the YouTube video for it. And if I can find somewhere where you can legitimately download a copy for a fee, I will let you know. So, without further ado, I'll sign off. See you next time. Bye
1: bye. Uh, hey, hey. I i in the pizza. You make Oh baby, See now. Twele wan nimechoka kupiga phone now Bp Bp Twele wan Move out the away Nimechoka kupoteza time Nina siku nyingi kwenda home oh. I am missing my baby, baby. Hello baby Natamani niwe nyumbani Nimekuama hapa njiani Kuna jam baby Ah kuna ah, jam baby yeah. Hello Una doña y yo una cosa mamá. Una niña así, una niña. Cuerpo en cuerpo, ponge nea. Una doña y yo una cosa mamá. Na komba mpesi un goje, ni ya ni na ya ni hombre, ni me choca na chule. Uruma ni ne. Na komba mpesi un goje, ni Nimichoka and a Pujatule, Uruman, you'll live. Nimichoka, Nitapita, in Iowa. At highway, Nitapita, Move out the way. Nimm pot is our time. Then I see Kwaningi kwenda home. Oh, I am missing my baby. Hello baby. Let's man in here when you mind there.